The forest is a father and a mother to us, he said. And like a father or a mother, it gives us everything we need. Food, clothing, shelter, warmth, and affection. Colin Turnbull. Welcome. I would like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the last couple of episodes. And this week we're going to be moving uh, to the study of Central and Central Eastern Africa. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for reaching out after the last few episodes. Um, no real feedback in terms of questions. I did have uh, one from a very good and dear listener, uh, basically asking if um, there had been any like extensive studies of, um, I guess, comparative mythology between the San and the Koi groups, and any attempts to kind of like backtrace them without influences from. Christian and Muslim sources, and yes, there have been, um, and it's something I'll cover a little more, a little bit more in depth when um, I get to kind of uh, their interactions with these groups, which is unfortunately going to be several episodes down the line, quite a few. Um, but yes, there have been attempts to kind of um, separate those factors, and I tried to present those, but obviously. Those can always be a little hit or miss. So um, I'm hoping to get some more sources. I'm hoping I um, can find a little bit more in depth stuff. There was a there was a story I had read from an anthropologist in the 1980s. He basically discovered that this myth that had been passed around for about five or ten years um, about how you know people spoke different languages. Um, he found the source, the original people that had talked about it, and he asked them when they discovered this myth. Um, essentially, they said they heard it from a white man that was passing through this village. Uh, this white man was, of course, a missionary, and he had basically told the story of the Tower of Babel, uh, which had just, you know, kind of been accepted and, and kind of incorporated, believe it or not. Uh, which shows, you know, you know, for you know, both hunter gatherers and pastoralists and people without organized religion, you know, you can adopt and adapt to situations much more fluidly without any kind of strict social or kind of economic system if you're you know you're essentially just working to eat um yeah there's a lot of stuff you don't have to worry about even if you do have a lot of stuff you do or at least i guess it's kind of a give or take of you know what your priorities are um but for them it's more of an interesting i guess story about you know something that happened with the gods it doesn't affect their daily life like oh cool that's why we speak different languages it doesn't affect you know what they have to do to hunt uh, they don't have to incorporate that ritual to kind of summon rain or cure ill health uh, to them it's just a it's an interesting tale um, but that being said I, it's a little tangent again I'll probably circle back to that in future episodes um, but this episode we're going to go ahead and progress up to Central Africa and Central Eastern Africa um, and first I want to kind of give a update on the environment at this point I've talked about it in previous episodes how the forests of Central Africa kind of shift between temperate and tropical during or yeah they shift to temperate from tropical during the ice ages. Now, obviously, that's not all the forest. It's just a matter of what percentage one is and one is. Um, 
But in warmer periods, there are more rainforests. And at 10,000 BC, that's what this was. This is a, mostly a rainforest. But there are some more temperate forests towards the coast. There are uh, mangrove swamps um, in the far west and in kind of the uh, the far eastern part. Um, or I'm sorry, it's the kind of... Um, Stop. Let me kind of go back. So there are mangrove stops in the west towards the uh, co the Atlantic coast, and in the east you get to um, there is the, what's called the Great African Lakes region. Uh, this has uh, several different lakes, and these are all kind of nestled up against a part of the Great Rift uh, Mountain Range. Uh, then there is a kind of a divot or basically like an armpit. Uh, in that armpit is Lake Victoria, and then you have another part of the mountain range which extends south. Um, so basically it's a Y around Lake Victoria, and then from there you have, um, on the western side of that mountain range, you have like these dry forest lands, which is actually a huge important source for a lot of timber and stuff in later Africa for the people living in the Horn and the, um, the far eastern coast. And essentially, uh, I should go ahead and say, in the eastern part of this area, um, it's probably Koi, or at least very close relatives of the Koi Koi. Um, this is going to change in the future because of a wave of migration coming from the west, um, but that's for further, further sources. But since we've kind of covered the Koi, I don't need to go into too much depth. Uh, but just remember that these are a lot of different groups spread far and wide. Um, but in the central part, uh, where we need to focus on most, um, in addition to being a tropical rainforest, of course, there are a large number of rivers. Uh, this is part of the Congo River system. Uh, so that obviously includes the Congo, and it's got a lot of tributaries and most of those tributaries have tributaries. Uh, so it's a very well-watered area. Um, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest rivers you probably hear about are the Kasai, the Ubangi, and the Shuapa. And again, each of those three has their own tributaries and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> But uh, to the actual people that are living there at this time, so you have what are probably best referred to as um, the Central African hunter-gatherers. There's also it can also be known as the African rainforest hunter-gatherers or the forest peoples of Central Africa. All are kind of good descriptions. Another term that is thrown around today is the term African pygmies. Um, if you're not aware, what a pygmy is, is essentially it's a human. Uh, they don't have any defects. They don't, it's not a case of dwarfism, um, where maybe their heads are outsized for their body size, or they have short arms or legs, but a standard torso. No, these people are generally, you know, they're within, you know, standard parameters of um, proportions. They're just short as a, as a group. Um, I think the average or the highest they get usually is like 4'10", um, which is 
you know, short um, comparatively to most other uh, ethnic groups. Of course, there are pygmies in other parts of the world. Um, there's a number of reasons that this could arise. Uh, it could be environmental. Um, it could be founder effect type deal, basically like the first few generations in this area were made up of people who were shorter. Um, and then that just kind of like keeps getting passed on because they have you know the most experienced and most successful there. So these genes are more likely to be passed on. Um, but that being said, uh, this is highly debated. There are a number of reasons for this. Uh, pygmyism also, or at least the term pygmy can be considered a pejorative, even though most people outside of it don't mean it that way. Uh, it, it usually has that connotation, at least among the groups. Uh, another complication here is um, uh, even though these groups kind of have the same, they're, they're part of that initial breakoff um, where you had uh, the people that would become the Khoi and the San basically break off from the, I guess, our last common female ancestor, and then that group broke off into the Khoi and the San. The, the, the third, I guess, break is um, the Central African group. Uh, they came to these areas very early um, and they were obviously successful because they had enough um, I guess population that they had to break apart and kind of diverge and they you know they occupied a very large area of Central Africa um, but here's the thing even though they have that same common origin a lot of these groups were unaware that these other you know, pygmies, quote unquote, existed. They they didn't even realize that that they're, you know, I guess that they're there as well. Um, and in fact, you know, with the advent of DNA and genetic testing, uh, some of these groups are not even that closely related. Their their last common ancestor was, you know, tens of thousand years ago. And in fact, they're more closely related to, I guess, more normal or more average sized individuals uh, that they're neighbor that they're neighbors to um, and that's reflected in language um, most of these groups speak a neighboring tongue uh, like a Bantu or like a, a Nilo-Saharan language and um, you know these groups basically they're they're barely related or if they are related, they're maybe speaking completely different languages. Um, that's not to say that they don't share any overlap or anything. Some of their words are so far back. Um, there might be a relation. Uh, there is the thought that there may have been like a, a proto-pygmy tongue that just got replaced. Um, I think that is probably inaccurate just due to how long and how isolated these groups were from each other. Even though they're not isolated in general, they're actually interacting with more groups than the Koi and the San did earlier. Um, but the funny thing is they aren't interacting with each other. Uh, and that's kind of a, you know, that's an odd thing to think about, but that's what the genetic evidence suggests. Um, and most of these groups, they, even if they don't have like a common language, all these groups did have their own tongues. Um, and they had their own words that do not show up in any of their neighboring languages, which means that they were probably all 
speaking something else and then eventually, you know, just through a number of different reasons had to adopt these uh, neighboring tongues. Um, I think, though, the most, the group that keeps the most of their original language, I think they only have like 30% of their words from a non-neighboring ethnic group's languages. Um, and that's mostly their words for things that are local to them, like the forest area that they're living in. Um, and that's not a large number, but it's essentially, basically they they were using their words for things that uh, neighbors did not know existed. Uh, things um, like uh, bee, or when it comes to honey harvesting or just different uh, plants and animals that are living in their forests. And that's essentially uh, all these people, no matter their relation or lack of relation to each other, these are all forest people. These are not hunters and gatherers of the savannas and the grasslands. No, these are these are forest people. The forest is extremely important to them. They have their own hunting techniques. They develop poisons, much like the sun and the koi do. However, uh, they are not um, they are not derived from the same plants. Um, or, and uh, they, I believe, they have different. Um, slightly different bows. I think their bows are a little bit longer and um, a little bit more range-wise when it comes to uh, power than the San or the Koi probably were using. Uh, because they had to be. They had to you know, get through um, uh, tougher brush. Uh, let's see here. Um, ah, another note I forgot to mention. So, also, they may be pygmies today, but there is a thought that this may be a recent development. It's entirely possible that this has only come around in the last, you know, couple of thousand years. Like, at this point, like, at 10,000 BC, they, they may not be pygmies. Um, this might be something that happened, you know, maybe between three or 4,000 years after this period, maybe due to climate change. Um, or, you know, a change in diet. Uh, this is still hotly debated. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're still not sure of that. Um, let's see here. Next note I needed to talk about for these people. Ah, um, there are, there are a couple of different um, I guess like larger groups, um, and they're all spread out some kind of closer towards the coast, some right on like the main um, bend in the Congo as it turns towards the ocean. Uh, and then there are some closer to the mountains uh, in the kind of the very center near the Great Lakes area. Um, these groups are again, they're not as related as you might expect. Um, and they all have their own versions of, uh, well, they all have their own religious traditions. There is some overlap between the closer ones in terms of the names of some of the gods, though they may have different functions. Um, that's just kind of, you know, the nature, it seems, of uh, religion in this area. Uh, but uh, some of the highlights, uh, I think the... Uh, the ones in the east uh, towards the mountains 
they have a kind of um, they have a a a, a sky god who um, who is also a hunting god. Uh, he is important uh, for a number of reasons. In addition to kind of teaching humans hunting, he also created them uh, from clay. Uh, they have a tradition that um, different people were made from different colored clay. Then the the group, at least that we know today, practices this form of the religion, uh, the Bambuti. They believe that they were made from red clay. Uh, their African neighbors were named from black clay. And of course, as soon as they met white people, it's like, well, it's obvious these people were made from white clay. <clears throat> um, this, uh, this god is known as uh, Korum, or uh, Kumvum. And he, again, is a god of the hunt. Uh, his uh, bow and arrows make rainbows as he fires them. Um, at sun, at the end of the day, at sunset, uh, he gathers fragments and just parts of creation, and he throws it into the sun to kind of get a fire going for the next day. So again, he's extremely important. Not only does he make humans, he helps them hunt. He teaches them how to feed themselves. He is also very important for you know the sun and warmth and all that good stuff to kind of come into being. <clears throat> Uh, he is not the only god in this pantheon. Uh, he has a couple of um, messengers. He uses a chameleon to deliver messages. Um, and he also has uh, Gore, who is a thunder god uh, that is usually depicted as an elephant, which is you know a very good animal when it comes to uh, being a thunder god, I think. Uh, just breaking through trees, just charging at people. Um, then you have another group uh, that has Ara body, and this is a moon god. And again, uh, moon gods are fairly rare when you check out the total number of them in all religions. They're usually female. Um, but uh, there are some groups that consider him to have been the creators of humanity. Uh, he also used clay. I don't have anything that um, suggests that he uses different color clay. It's just he just he made them from clay. So humans being made from clay, this is I mean this is a very old story. It's found in numerous religions, so there could be a common tie-in there. Um, but uh, our body is, I believe, an Ife uh, name for this god. Um, they also have. Uh, Another god uh, known as Tore, or Tore, uh, is, and he's a god of forests, and he is an animal god, and he provides animals to hunters. Uh, but he is also a storm god, and he can hide in rainbows. And he also has the power to shapeshift. Uh, he usually has some form of predator, most likely a leopard. Um, and in fact, uh, humans stole fire from him. He chased them, but he they couldn't he couldn't catch them. So, um, you know, uh, it frustrated him greatly. But then once he gives up and returns home, he finds out his mother has died, and so his punishment is that humans will also die. Uh, so he also becomes a death god. So he wears a great many hats. Um, also, uh, DFA also have a story where our body. 
uh, in addition to being uh, you know, the creator of humanity, he also keeps them alive. Um, humans don't die, at least they're not supposed to. They do age though, uh, so as they get older eventually our body has to de-age them, return them to youth. Now there are a couple of different versions of this myth, but essentially um, something happens. Usually I think the myth I read the most is that um, a toad uh, tries to help him um, and our body is kind of amused by this. He's like, well, if you want to help me, you have to pass this test. But if you fail, both you and this, uh, this body are going to have to go to the underworld. And um, there are, again, numerous versions of this myth. But essentially the toad fails and both he and uh, human, the human body he's trying to help resurrect are uh, basically they have to go to the underworld. And uh, because of this, the rest of humanity is cursed to die as well. And then, of course, proceed to the underworld. So, thank you, Toads. Um, the, um, the Bambuti, who I mentioned uh, had the god Coram, uh, they also have a kind of a death ritual. Um, they, of course, have a concept of a soul. Uh, when a man dies, his uh, close family members, usually a son, they have to kind of give a final like kiss of death, or I guess it's more of a kiss of life, really. But essentially, part of the man's spirit goes into his son, and then another part kind of in, um, goes to inhabit a man's totem animal. Um, and if the, the son does not inhale um, this... Um, this part of your spirit, or if the totem animal is killed um, in a, I guess, in a specific way, um, that the spirit can escape into the forest, and where it becomes like a, um, it's basically a half-dead, half-alive spirit that can only partly be seen, um, it, and it has to live in the forest with others like it. Uh, this is referred to as a Lodi. <clears throat> So again, you have a you have a lot of different groups. You have a ton of different um, myths uh, from each of these groups. And again, there are some overlaps. Some have um, our body and Tori having the same names but switching roles. So it's it's a very um, this is one that compared to the mythology would actually be very very helpful with. It's it's a lot more. Um, but again, there, there probably wasn't a common religion between all these groups. They just, you know, or if there was, it was extremely ancient. And just like the highlights kind of came through. Um, and then, of course, they added things, you know, related to how they were living um, as time went on. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the highlight for the Central African hunters and gatherers. Um, So, uh, the kind of the highlights for this are, um, excuse me, yeah, so the highlights for this are extremely diverse group, even though they, of course, come from the same branch of the family uh, of humanity, for lack of a better term, um, but it shows how isolated we were at that time. Um, you know, you, you have your area that you're comfortable living in, where you know where you live, you know how to survive there. Leaving that area 
can be difficult to do, and it's not something that you should that they would undertake lightly. Um, and we see, you know, we or I should say, we will see as we keep going um, that this is going to be a problem for several groups, and it's going to lead to desperation, and it's going to lead to tests and trials that we would have to overcome to survive. But that said, uh, I think that's a good stopping point for this evening. Um, we will get back next week. I think we will uh, be moving further west uh, to, um, uh, I guess, um, kind of the Gold Coast area, that, that kind of stuff, and towards um, what is today... Uh, the Ivory Coast and those areas uh, to cover Western African groups. And then after that, um, that might be a two-parter. There's a lot there, especially at this time, and we have more information, I think, um, if, I'm, if I'm remembering my, my, my notes for upcoming episodes uh, correctly. Um, and there's going to be some additional stuff kind of... Um, that we'll have to deal with in terms of environmental stuff. So yeah, that might be a two-parter, and then we'll cover uh, the Northern uh, African peoples after that. Um, and then we'll probably finish off on the Horn because that's a very important place, uh, especially when it comes to our next set of uh, 10,000 BC um, episodes. Uh, so we've got some busy, busy couple of weeks coming up, but. Um, yeah, I thank everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope everyone has a good rest of your day. Thank you, and goodbye.